Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Welcome to Montana's Peer Network Recovery Talks podcast. I'm Jim Haney. Hello, everybody, and I'm Leah Wetzel. Thanks so much for tuning in to another Recovery Talks podcast from Montana's Peer Network. So, Leah, I don't know if you saw this, but over the weekend, um, the 20, 2019 Miss USA um, died from suicide. Uh, I don't. Did you? I don't know if you saw that that article. Uh, it, it caught my attention. It was kind of shocking. Yes, very sad. I did. I did happen to see that, and I read. You know, she's got quite the background within uh, being a former complex civil litigation attorney, and mm-hmm. she lic- mm-hmm. was a licensed. Uh, she was licensed in North and South Carolina and practiced it there. Really, really devastating, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it, it it made me think about. We heard a lot about this over the Summer Olympics about pressure, mental health pressure, um, from Olympic athletes began speaking out, and so this made me think about as I was reading the, you know, reading the article about this. Um, she died in New York City. She took her life. She jumped off a building. And it made me think about it. I mean, I wonder what, you know, a beauty pageant, she's, she's beauty pageant. She won, she won in 2019. So a couple of years ago, and I wonder what the pressures are there. You know, the stressors, that's your job. You're, you're, you know, you're a model, essentially, I, I guess, I hope I'm using the right term. I mean, she's a model. She's a beautiful woman. Yeah. And right. And, and so she's in this competition with all these other beautiful women. She's Miss USA, so there's 50 other 50 other states, right? Or 49 other states. And I wonder what kind of pressure there is and what kind of support there is, you know, for that that type of thing. I mean, I think most women, don't they get into that pretty young, right? When they're modeling or beauty pageants. I mean, most get into it when they're they're pretty young. So maybe she had years of built up stress and yeah, definitely. And, you know, I can imagine the pressure of being uh, A, young, B, beautiful, and C, a beautiful, Black, intelligent woman uh, mm-hmm. in this day mm-hmm. and age. And, you know, just thinking back of, you know, my era, you know, 80s, 90s, and just just reading about the pressure that models have and and the access to, to substances they have. And, you know, you see that a lot in the past within modeling, within athletes. And Mm -hmm. I think of ballet, ballet is one that I think of where they just have to get that weight off or gymnastics. They just have to be that certain size. 
And yeah. it's really, you know, I've never been in that line of work, but it seems to me, it seems to me that it would be because we're mindful of these things these days, we're mindful of mm-hmm. mental health, we're mindful of substance mm-hmm. abuse, more, you know, there's access to resources like trauma-informed, there's access to peer support, mm-hmm. you know, you would really think, and all the funding that's out right now, you would really think they would have a lot more support than what they do. That's the question though, right? I mean, that's the question is what, what kind of support do they have? Right. You know, I mean, I, I, we don't know. I mean, we, we really, you know, you would think, yes. I mean, there's a lot of public awareness, but what kind of support do they actually have? And you brought up some great, some great points. Go ahead. I, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I just wanted to sort of underscore what you were saying, because <laughs> I, I think that's what it made me think about was what do they have? Do, is there support? I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, uh, eating, like eating disorders must be rampant amongst models and beauty pageants. Just to be a girl, just to be a female, just to be a woman, you know, this day and age, there is a lot of pressure um, just within that. You know, I have a teenage daughter, beautiful, beautiful little girl. Well, I say little girl, but she's a teenager. And there's always that pressure amongst, you know, I hear her and her her girlfriends talking. There's always that pressure amongst, oh, my nose is too big. My, My feet are too big or, you know, my legs are too skinny. And I think a lot of that is within the media, you know, um, within, you know, Snapchat, everybody wants to be Snapchat perfect. And, you know, I really feel passionate about bringing that realness. Now, I too will, I'm blamed for my profile picture being Snapchat, but, you you are, you are really, (laughs) you know, yeah, and you know, I think it's, I think it's time us as women, you know, we really start to need to celebrate and 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 really bring each other up. And life is more than than that. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's more about what's inside of us. But you know, yeah. I think within all, you know, she had a lot going on. I was reading in this article. She did. Um, she did. You know, so she had a extra receiving two daytime Emmy nomination for her work within, mm-hmm. you know, within entertainment, mm-hmm. you know, sounds like she had a lot going on, but who knows what was going on in her, you know, love life. Says right. here she has a mentor as well. You know, we never know what's going on in their minds at that time. But right. Who of right. all people can really speak to being in that leadership role, mm-hmm. what is that pressure like? Like if mm-hmm. something doesn't go right, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a good point. And I so I'm here in Livingston, Montana, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this all together here. So I think <laughs> about this a lot. I think about this a lot because I, I'm in Livingston, Montana, and we have celebrities who live here. 
you know, I mean, there's celebrities who live here, actors, musicians, you know, news people, you know, they live Paradise Valley, they live in Livingston, they live in Bozeman, Big Sky, that's part of living here. And I often think about people who were once famous. Let's say you, you know, you're an actor, and you were big in the 80s or big in the 90s, you did a bunch of movies or TV shows or something. And you know, Hollywood or, you know, right, being a star has sort of passed you by. You're still recognizable because you had a very popular show. But here's the thing I always think about. What do you do with your life? I mean, you're not going to work in the bank. You're you're a famous person. You're not going to go in the bank and be a teller, you know, like, can I help you, Mr. Haney? You know, right? Like, I mean, you're not. And it's like some famous person, right? (laughs) <laughs> but I think about this because there are some who live here who used to be famous, but they're not famous anymore. You know, they're a personality. You recognize them. You see them. They like living here because we don't, we don't have paparazzi and, you know, right. Yeah. They can, walk, they can walk around, but they're not going to Albertsons and becoming a checker. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they still have to make a living, but their, their heyday has passed them by. So right. when I read when I read this article about her, and, and I, I don't know her at all. I don't know anything about her other than this tragedy that happened. But I think, you know, she won in 2019. And then COVID hit in 2020. So I'm wondering what her experience was like as the winner. Like, I think they go on a big speaking tour and a big promotional tour when you win. But that was probably cut short because of COVID. So she, she didn't get that opportunity, maybe the same as other people, you know, and I'm just being hypothetical here, but I'm drawing this correlation between these people who reach some sort of celebrity personality status, but it doesn't last. Now, what do they do? So this woman went out and, I mean, it says she was on uh, some TV shows, a correspondent, and she did have a lot, lot of things going on in her life, but you have that place you achieved at one point, and in this case, she won Miss USA. I don't know, does it get bigger than that? I, I don't know, I don't, maybe there's Miss Universe, but that's a pretty high level and the fall from there can be pretty steep, right? Just like this actor or actress or musician or whatever, who is, isn't popular anymore, that's gotta be tough. I mean, you and me are regular people. <laughs> We're not, right. right? You know, you can change jobs and nobody, but you're not going to see some famous person, you know, working at the drive-through. You know what I mean? Like, you know, right. there's a there's a part of that that's got to be hard to come to terms with. You've achieved this high level, and now your life is not quite that way. I think about that, and how do people cope with that piece of it? Definitely. And uh, just the other day, because I like watching documentaries and, um, you know, listen to podcasts and I'm listening to, uh, there's this documentary about the 90s, you know, in Hollywood, the Viper Room and um, there's all these Hollywood movie stars and the guy from Counting Crows, he, he always struggled with mental health. Yeah. Uh, his thing. Adam, the singer, the singer yeah. you're talking about? Adam, yeah. Adam Durwitz. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Well, um, you know, he was struggling with mental, 
with his mental health. Yeah. Struggling with substance. And he said what he really liked about that Viper Room was that, you know, he would get behind the bar and he would do bartending because he felt like an everyday average Joe. He said, mm. I'm in the midst of 200 other, you know, movie stars that are 10 times more famous than me. Mm-hmm. He could not handle that pressure of being famous. It's got to be tough. It's got to be really, really tough, right? Especially I mean, at a young age, you know? It's, it's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to be really, really tough. You know, here in Montana, we have the ex-NFL player, Ryan Leaf. So he was a quarterback, right? I think he was, was a Great Falls. Is that where yeah. he was from, I think, right? Yeah. You know, <clears throat> signs a, I think his signing bonus was $25 million dollars. You know, oh, you're 20, God. you're 23 or 24 years old. If you have some issues in your life, mental health or substance use, trauma, anything like that, if you have anything like that and you're 23, 24 years old and somebody gives you a check for 25 million, life is not going to go real well from that That's point right. forward. That's it's just not going to. You're too impulsive at that age. You're too impulsive. And if you haven't, if you don't have a solid foundation, things are going to go awry really quick. Because you can do anything you want. Right. That's the reality. You can do anything you want. Any impulse you have, you can do. So substances, drinking, sex, gambling, traveling, spending money. I mean, have you ever have you ever watched any interviews with uh, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, the basketball player guy? Yeah. So, Very familiar yeah. with him. A few yeah. interviews. He, he he is hilarious. If you ever 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 want to be entertained, just do a YouTube search for in funny interviews with Shaquille O'Neal. There's one on, there's one I've watched it a couple times because it's just so funny. So he's a young <laughs> basketball player. He's got championships and all this stuff. He goes to Walmart and he bought a million dollars. Did you see that? Yeah, I he see that. A, right. <laughs> <laughs> and his and his credit card gets declined. <laughs> his credit card gets declined, but he bought a million dollars. Could you imagine walking into a store like Walmart and buying a million dollars worth? You would need like a trucks, trucks, like multiple trucks to put all this stuff. You right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But but that's what I'm saying is that when you're young and you have that kind of money. Any, you can literally do anything. And if you have any kind of mental health struggles going on, oh boy, you're, you're in trouble at that point. Um, yeah, devil's playground for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. I've yeah. never had uh, anything close to a million dollars, but I did own my own construction company at 19. And I was the first ever in BIA history to get bonded by the BIA and uh, complete the job because I wasn't insured and I went in there as, a, as an independent contractor. No LLC, just coming in sole proprietor of all things. Well, my dad, he was so confident in the, the line of work. He'd been doing it for 20 right. years. Right. And we did, we did a gravel crushing pit for Crow Agency, mm. finished it early. And I thought, you know, I had like $27,000, I think was my first check. And that felt like $27 million. <laughs> you I know, it's only... I bet. And it really was with my underlying trauma and my underlying addictions and mental illness myself. It really was devil's playground. 
everything you everything you just explained was me to a T. Impulsiveness with travel, I mean traveling, yeah. out, and I could yeah. imagine what my parents went through, me being so young and just gone, gone traveling, yeah, and and doing whatever I pleased, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the it would be really tough. And again, you know, getting back to you know the 2019 Miss Miss USA, her her name is Ch- Chesley Chesley Christ, I think is how you say it. You know, she was 30 years old, and and we don't know the backstory of her. We have no connection, but it is kind of shocking when those things happen. And what what's in place? in her profession, in her field. She was in, she was in modeling for probably most of her life and pageants and those kinds of things. And, and then you, you go and she has other career ambitions after that. There recently Kellogg's, the, the company, you know, Kellogg's like, uh, you know, frosted flakes kind of thing. They yeah. came out with a, did you see this? They came out with a mental health, a new mental health uh, awareness program for their employees. Which, which I, yeah, which I thought was pretty cool because Kellogg's is actually pretty big. Kellogg's includes, uh, you know, Frosted Flakes and Corn Flakes, Rice Krispies, Eggo, Mini Wheats. You know, I mean, they're 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 not a small company, um, and they launched an initiative to um, begin addressing mental health issues and stigma. And it was interesting because their their, uh, director for retail operations, this uh, Wilson Ray wrote in the the organizational blog that he says he gets winter blues, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he has a diagnosis or, you know, not, but, you know, seasonal affective disorder is a real thing and it's a real diagnosis. Some people get it in the winter time. But, you know, for him to come out and say that, you know, um, I think, I think is really like something and, and, and yeah. right. Like, and, and so anyway, so I, I still, so I looked this up, I, you know, I started doing some, some more research on here and, and I'm looking at an article I'm on the, uh, news Herald from February, February 2nd. So I don't know when you're listening to this. I, Iosco County News. So they're talking about what's going on in Michigan and, you know, talking about how important this is. And they're quoting this Wilson Ray and he's talking about, hey, we need to take this stuff seriously. He's talking about his daughter's battle with personality disorder and a suicide attempt and lost a nephew to suicide at one point. And this is what we need more of. We need more of this awareness. And so the organization launched a project called internally called Lean on Me. It's their own brand of mental health first aid. So some of you listening might be familiar with mental health first aid. So this is their own kind of version of it. So they can own it as, you know, Kellogg's, but it teaches people how to identify signs of mental illness and substance use disorders. And it gives uh, people who take the training, you know, some skills in how to support people. Mental Health First Aid is a huge initiative, federal initiative across the country. Yeah. Um, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, if anybody's listening, I mean, that's a course you can take. We Montana, there's always courses available 
But then Kellogg's went further, right? They partnered with Verizon and they started this new global initiative. Did you want to did you want to talk about that, Leah? That that larger that is bigger than just Kellogg's, actually. Right. Well, just going through this article and and looking at some of these statistics, we're in a time with COVID going on. On top of everything else, seventy six percent say that they are are actively worried about their mental health of uh, someone within themselves and someone on their team within work, you know, this this person goes into the events of the past year are impacting everybody. New moms, dads, kids, adolescents, you name it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is from uh, Paige, I don't want to butcher her name, but Ellen Baum, she's at LSMW and founding director of the Motherhood Center. Yeah. But, you know, 74% out there within this, uh, with, within their study here says that 74 have questioned their own mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, people, there's a lot of pressure just within COVID alone within the workplace. Yeah, you know, for sure. When I very first started, right after I did peer support 101 in, mm-hmm. in uh, 20. 2020, I was working at a local agency here in Great Falls, and, you know, the whole, they hadn't figured out, are they going to mandate masks, are they not, right before things were closing, and then opened up, some places were still going, is it okay, can we, you know, no, no fix for it, no medicine for it, no, none of that, we're all just kind of living in fear a bit, and, you know, for a for a mental health center, you know, I really tried to follow the lead of, of what I'm being told. Mm-hmm. And it was scary. It was scary, you know, having kids, being a single mom and, and being asked to still work in the workplace, volunteer at that. I was still on volunteer status. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But because of the passion for, for helping others, you know, I was there. Right. But, it was definitely a scary time. I remember that. And I know the pressures that are within, you know, uh, mental health agencies for one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, the whole world experienced that in the, you know, early 2020. I think what we, we got shut down here in Montana, 20 March of 2020, you know, and there was this sort of unknown what is this virus and how serious is it? And I can remember watching the, there was that map. I think the CDC put the map of the United States and they had the red dots everywhere there were cases and the the map was black, but then it just kept getting redder and redder and redder. And you're like, this was like some movie, some apocalyptic movie, you know, the number, the counter counter just kept going up. I mean, literally, as you were sitting there, how many people were infected just kept going up. I think it was very scary. And we haven't really addressed it as a nation. We haven't addressed the trauma of that and what that's done. And it's still going on. I mean, we're in 2022 and we're two years, you know, in a couple months, we're going to hit the two year mark. We still haven't addressed that. We still have let that go. And that's why I like this initiative. This it's called mind together initiative and Yahoo 
you know, like the search engine, Yahoo, Verizon, Kellogg's, and there, there's some other companies have, have band together and they did this big study and they're putting out this, uh, it's called a mental health matrix. And we'll, we'll put this on our website and social media for you, but it's a downloadable and they're calling it a white paper. It says the mental health matrix, the next generation approach for identifying and managing mental health in the workplace. I think this is critical, and I think there was there is not enough focus on mental health before COVID, and I think with COVID, I think there's a bunch of added pressure. You know, um, you mentioned being a single mom, so you know, right? School has to be that's got to be a huge source of pressure, like what's going on in the schools, but also daycare. I mean, I hear this from a lot of people who used to have daycare take their kids to daycare, right? They're not going to school. You have to go to daycare, but now you can't because the daycare places are closed because they can't, they can't keep them. So how do you do that? How do you manage your work? And I got my kids and, you know, I'm trying to figure all this out and there's work, workforce shortages, not enough people in the workforce. It's complex and I have to applaud Yahoo and Kellogg's and Verizon, these companies that are that are banning together. Um, it says here, the study is based on a 2021 survey of a thousand managers, human resource executives, corporate leaders in six global regions around the world, Canada, France, India, Taiwan, the United Kingdom and the United States. And they're trying to get deeper into the issues around mental health in the workplace they have a panel of 12 psychiatrists, psychologists, and corporate leaders in mental health. It's very fascinating. They have all their credentials and stuff listed here. It's a very diverse group of people. Some of the statistics are pretty surprising, aren't they? I, 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 I really are. think they are. Yeah. Yeah. Another quick statistic is 70% uh, of managers say their company doesn't currently have policies or procedures for addressing the mental health concerns of employees. And the gap between recognizing mental health as a workplace issue and creating a company culture that effectively addresses it in the is a big one. Uh, corporations are struggling to make the leap. Employee trust is low stigma is high and fear of discrimination is real mm -hmm. wow well that's a huge one the discrimination piece is a huge one right mental health has a ton of stigma around it to begin with you know just it, it always has it probably always will it would be lovely if someday we could you know talk about mental health issues like we talk about you know, other things, right? Um, other health conditions, but I'm not sure we're anywhere even close to close to that. So if companies take the steps to have welcoming, inviting um, policies and procedures and have open door policies and they encourage that, they talk openly about it. And we're different here. I mean, I'm saying this as an executive director because we're a recovery company. So we're constantly talking about recovery. There's a high, high sensitivity to that in a company like ours. But that's not the case across the board. I mean, you talked about your own experience working for a company that's providing services, and that's not the case. And I'd say that's not the case for most, for most organizations. They really don't 
they really don't have policies or procedures in place and they really don't have an open door policy and aren't really in the right frame of mind. I guess I'll say it that way. They're not really in the right frame of mind to address mental health issues in the workplace. Oh, definitely, Jim. I mean, where I am today, within my the work I do, within who I work with, within what I do, and then who I am has has gotten ten times better since I've worked here. Um, for one, working in different agencies here in town, here in town as a quote unquote peer support. You know, working here for the company that uh, built best practices for it and, and does the training, learning that half of what I was doing wasn't even peer support. It wasn't even mm. within my framework. Other things, I'll never forget the, the first uh, staff meeting I went to with, with the, the counselors and, you know, every, you know, everybody there. And I just really shied away from that clinical end of things because I was hearing such judgment calling people out by their mental illness by their mm -hmm. you know and I was raised in a family you know there's mental illness and addiction on both ends of our family my aunt I'll, I'll never forget she my dad's youngest sister she had schizophrenia and mm -hmm. You know, I've talked about this before with my grandpa. He's a very prominent man, but he taught us and raised us, telling us, don't let society make you feel any less than, mm -hmm. any different, keep mm -hmm. you in a box because mm -hmm. you, you know, because you're, because you're different, right. you know, and being somebody that has, um, you know, I have been have diagnosis myself, PTSD, and I've been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, um, an addict. But my biggest key piece within keeping my my sobriety and keeping myself happy and being able to be balanced and working is is keeping myself physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional. But really, that mental health is the biggest part within keeping yeah. my recovery going. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, it's key. And if you, so in the workplace, you, you know, either you're bringing stuff to the company, you go to work for a company, you might be bringing your own stuff, your own mental health issues, or, and, or there are workplace mental health issues that come up also in work environment, and, and it doesn't have to be extreme. The stress of just what you're doing, you know, of your job tasks can create a lot of stress. Getting up in front of them, I and we've had people come work for MPN, you know, and we do presentations and trainings, and, you know, we've been doing them virtually because of COVID, but traditionally we, we're in person. So the stress of having to get up in front of people and do presentations, and sometimes it's, 10 people and sometimes it's 110 people right so hey. those kinds of things can cause stress and anxiety for people you know um and how we handle those and how we talk about them you know this in this report there's just there's a ton of really great statistics that came out of this survey one of them that i find really interesting the top five guides 
requested by management. So this must come through HR, right? It must've been the HR portion of the question. So what are the guides managers are most asking for? 60% said mental, a guide on mental health conditions. The number two, the number two one was race and eth ethnicity. Mm. And that was only 35%. 60% of the time, the questions are about mental health conditions. I think that's really interesting, right? Like people, they, you know, that to me, that's saying I don't have enough education training to know how to handle this situation as a manager, right? Yes. I mean, that's, that's what it's saying. It's saying to HR, you're saying human resources, help me out. I need to know more about these types of conditions. Yes. And, and also the trauma that we can take on by supporting others. If we're not sure. knowledgeable of of ways, because take take people like you and I, we have big hearts. We're good people. We visit with people. You know, it's it's hard to not take that stuff home, but to have the education and the mentoring and the support to learn how to handle those situations, you mm -hmm. can read all you want in a book, but then actually implementing it and putting it into your life. I'll never forget, I was working for MPN, I think a month, maybe two, and I was asked to go speak somewhere. And Jim told me, take, you know, take the day off, get yourself ready. Cause it was, you know, last minute, I had to do it in like a day and a half, you know? And I'm like, really? It was so uncomfortable to have a boss like, worried about no take your time this stuff can be stressful um because it was always go 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 never right. take time right. to right to, right pretty soon we're dragging all that stuff with us and exactly. half of it's not even ours yeah 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 exactly yeah i think you know what i learned over the years you know my own self doing in this case you know presentation to you know a group of people right is um, if I don't, if I don't clear my mind, if I'm not in the right frame, then I'm not going to be at my best and I'm not going to deliver the message that I want to deliver. Right. And, and, and so figuring out what does that look like? And, and it's, you know, it just comes with practice. You, the more, the more opportunities you have to do those kinds of things, presentations, you know, talks in front of people you really have to be in the right frame of mind. You can't be just finishing up some other project and then rushing over and doing some presentation because your frame of mind is still back at the last two or three things you did. You really, you really have to prepare yourself if you want to give a top-notch performance. And that's just something that is embedded in our organization. And, and I know isn't taken into consideration for most companies. It's that what you said, it's the go, 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 go thing. Um, this, this report is really interesting and I keep calling it a report, but it's really, it's a white paper because it has the, the survey results, but it, it gives some tools for managers, for HR departments. Um, and it's, it's interesting because there's a, there's, there's a good quote in here. Companies are saying they don't know what to do because most people aren't using EAP, which is the Employee Assistance Program, which traditionally in America looks like this. 
um, you're having mental health struggles. Here, call this stranger and we'll pay for you to go talk to this stranger three times. That's typically what it looks like. That's typically what it looks like in the United States of America. Right. We basically give, we, we give no emphasis to people's mental health. That's all the emphasis we're gonna give you is, you're gonna go talk to some strange counselor somewhere else three times, and then you better be better, you better be all, all fixed, and you're gonna come back and do a better job at your, at your work. You know, like that's the piece that has to change. And we have to think about this as ongoing and nothing wrong with EAP, but I think that it's pretty tough as somebody who's gone to counseling off and on most of my life, it's pretty tough. You know, the first three sessions with somebody is kind of just background. You're really just kind of giving them the background to get them caught up to where you are to where, yeah, yeah. And, and, but it's, that's it. That's our last session. You got to go back to work now, you, you know, like, ah. like that's it. And so this thing, this, this white paper has a, what they're calling a mental health matrix. And there's uh, four key actions, which is accommodating, arbitrating, addressing, and adapting. And it's really neat. I mean, I would encourage you and we'll, we will post this up you know, on our website and social media and all that stuff to make it available. But it, it does look pretty neat. And, and uh, I wanna dig into this a little bit more. Um, I like the fact that they're not just giving you information and that they're actually giving you some tools to, be able, to be able to use, right? Yes, there's a lot of good information on here, folks, no matter what end of the spectrum you're coming from, you know, whether exactly. you're HR, whether you're an employee, yeah. it's really validating how we feel. And, and you know, it's, it's okay to feel that. I think shame and guilt can really be big within uh, the work workforce the pull on us so yeah for sure for sure they list here um 41 percent of people report workplace burnout number two was anxiety fear of what will happen in the future and how it will impact work long hours that was also that was an issue mental health personal pressure you know putting pressure on your teammates or yourself a career burnout, that was sort of interesting where you're just tired of what you're doing, just your career, just in general. This is a really, really interesting thing because I think about the work we do at MPN and to kind of bring this full circle and, and why we're talking about this is because peer support is not just for people who are in SUD, substance use disorder treatment centers or mental health or treatment courts. like. Imagine if we had peer support programs at, at, in the workplace. Every you know, spectrum. If, yeah, that it doesn't matter. It's not, you know, I say this, you know, PS 101, you know, you were training people to be certified peer supporters. And, and it, you know, I try to emphasize to this isn't unique to substance use. This isn't unique to mental health. This can be beneficial across the board. And imagine if we could have 
you know, with HR departments, if we actually had peer supporters, yeah, you know, right, like peer support, you know, within within the workplace. I mean, you know, you'd have people who could provide peer support, and it's not three sessions with a stranger. It's one of your coworkers who you you know you know you get to know each other. You know each other's lives. You you're involved personally with each other, right? Right. Like within within any field that you're in. Regardless, exactly, exactly. You work at the bank, you know, and and whatever. There's there's pressure of, you know, handing out the right lollipops to people or whatever, and it's stressing <laughs> you out, you know, right? Dog biscuits. You know, yeah, dog biscuits. There you go, you know, right? And <clears throat> the pressure, you know, and you're just, you know, making a joke there, but yeah, no offense to bankers. We love but, you, bankers. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But. You know, like there, there's workplace pressure, and maybe it is time for us to rethink EAP, employee assistance programs, and think about how can we have different conversations about mental health to make that part of our training, our regular training, you know, mental wellness. And you, you said it, you know, your spirit, emotionally, physically, financially, how you're taking care of yourself, help people with these skills. And to me, this ties right into COVID because being healthy is a preventive measure from getting any virus. It is preventative if you are healthy. Yes. And, right. And so maybe this is a good opportunity for our country to look at those kinds of things and change the conversations and then, and then go the next step, which is you have to change your policies and procedures. You have to change your culture and Definitely. you have to begin thinking about people's wellness. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, I, when I hear you talking just now, I think of, you know, here locally within Montana, Little Shell, I got to take a tour of their facility and that's their whole thing is holistic. You come right. in and, and that's how they're viewing it. And I, and I really believe in everything you just said. Um, if we had that, if we had that knowledge and if, start talking about these uncomfortable things um, the more we are transparent with one another and and keeping mm -hmm. it real because it's hard to keep a fake smile on all day long you it know? is, it is. <laughs> i think that it adds is. to it yeah. you know so right, right right yeah no i agree i agree all right leah well we are out of time this was a great this was a great uh, conversation today and a great topic mental health in the workplace. And uh, yeah, we're going to post that white paper for you. We'll make that available. People can can go ahead and grab that, put it up on our website and social media. Great topic. Thanks so much for, for being here today with me. Yeah, definitely. Always an honor and privilege. And to our listeners, um, if there's something some feedback about what we're talking about if you'd like to come on and just visit with jim and i um, please get a hold of us uh, both of us jim at mtpeernetwork.org and same with leah uh, leah at mtpeernetwork.org have a good afternoon see you later Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works, recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. <laughs>
Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery is possible.